Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coming up on The Science Revolution, the meat industry is fighting back against veganism. Is meat the new tobacco? David Ritter is dropping by. Are Australia's apocalyptic fires a warning to the world? Also, the proof is in. Our genes are not our destiny. I'll also be digging in about forever chemicals, the coral reefs, infrastructure, billion-dollar disasters, fracking, and much, much more. Stay tuned. Australia is on fire right now. We have climate disasters happening all over the planet. We've had our share of them here in North America as well. And one of the things that is feeding this is meat. The consumption of meat around the world is contributing about 10% of the greenhouse gases out there. So you've got, on the one hand, scientists, climate scientists, saying that we all need to eat less meat and revisit how we do agriculture. And then also you've got the Lancet, the British Medical Journal, this was a new report published in the British Medical Journal Lancet. recommends a largely plant-based diet. A group of scientists from around the world who studied nutrition and food policy deliberated for three years and said that around the world, meat consumption should drop by 50%. Now, that's for health. That's to reduce the number of heart attacks, to reduce the number of strokes, to reduce the amount of obesity and the concomitant type 2 diabetes and problems that follow along with that. Another separate, completely separate study was published in the journal Nature that essentially said the same thing. In fact, here's the abstract health risks associated with meat consumption review of epidemiological studies. This was in the Journal of Nutrition Research. Consumption of increasing amounts of red meat, and particularly processed meat, is associated with an increased risk of total mortality, cardiovascular disease, colorectal cancer, and type 2 diabetes in both men and women. And that's even when you consider things like age, race, BMI, history, smoking, blood pressure, lipids, and physical activity. None of those things have as much impact, apparently, or enough to swing the the variables as simply eating meat in terms of your risk of dying young. So you've got all that. And in my opinion, between climate change and do you want to die young, meat has become the new tobacco. Remember how tobacco fought back? Mike Pence wrote an op-ed for one of the newspapers in Indiana back in 2000 saying, oh, tobacco doesn't cause addiction, nicotine doesn't cause addiction, tobacco doesn't cause cancer. Right. So now you've got kind of the equivalent of the tobacco industry. You know, the meat industry has one of these too. This is an amazing story. James Tapper writing for The Guardian. The headline, Red Meat Plays Vital Role in Diets, Claim Expert in Fighting Against Veganism. Advocates of red meat will begin a fight back against the growth of veganism this week at the UK's biggest farming conference with claims that eating lamb and beef is vital because, drumroll, 
Some plants and fish are being drained of their nutrition. Yes, factory farming has caused the nutrient level in our vegetables to drop by 50% over the last 50 years. In a speech at the Oxford Farming Conference, Alice Stanton will tell ministers, farmers, and environmentalists the key nutrients in some fruits, vegetables, and grains have dropped by up to 50% over 50 years. The solution? Wouldn't you think the solution would be, how about farming practices that keep the nutrients in the soil so the plants can absorb them? Or how about farming practices where you're growing nutrient-rich species rather than ones that simply don't ripen rapidly on the way to the store or as they're shipped across the country? No, 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 no. Their response is, oh, you're lacking nutrients? You need to eat meat. I don't get it. Meat is pretty nutrient poor. I mean, if you want the nutrients from eating animals, you basically need to eat the entire animal. All those organ meats and brains and guts and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, like they did back in the old days. Just eating a burger, just eating muscle meat is not going to do it. So it's meet the new tobacco. On the line with us is David Ritter, the CEO of Greenpeace Australia Pacific. His latest book, The Coal, C-O-A-L, Coal Truth, greenpeace.org.au is the website. And you can tweet him at David underscore Ritter, R-I-T-T-E-R. David, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Tom. And thank you for joining us from Australia. I'm seeing these photographs of the fires that are going on, on, on in your country and on your continent, which is roughly the same size as the continental United States, and it seems apocalyptic. What's the current status of the fires? The fires are still burning, and I have to say it is a very sad time to be an Australian our fire season normally, uh, before global warming started, conventionally thought to start in December and to run through the summer months of December, January, February. The fires this season started in September, so much earlier than they should have. And they've now burned through an area of around 8.5 million hectares, which, to give some idea, is bigger than Scotland. There are fires still burning in every Australian state. There are six Australian states. And the fires themselves, in addition to just destroying vast areas of our country, have also bathed our eastern cities in toxic smoke. So Melbourne and Sydney cities, famous for their blue skies, have been bathed in the kind of toxic smoke that Australians are not used to and have made uh, our cities during this period at times some of the most polluted in the world. Now, I understand that on the ecological side of this, the best estimates are about a billion animals, including a number of potentially or endangered species or what may be as a consequence of these fires, endangered species have died. It almost seems like there should be a, a disturbance in the force when a billion sentient beings vanish from the earth or are, or are, kill, are burned up. I was over at Media Matters earlier today, and the headline is, Amid ranging fires, Rupert Murdoch's Australian media empire turns a blind eye to climate crisis. A, you want to speak to the ecology of that, and B, what is happening in your country with regard to the media and the politics of this? The impact on our ecology is truly dreadful. Australia is one of the 17 megadiverse countries in terms of its plants and animals in the world. And that's best uh, known internationally, I suppose, through some of our iconic animals, the kangaroos and koalas and and so on. What's happened through the fires has been described as a uh, by, by one scientist as a bit of a biological Armageddon. 
because large areas of biodiverse region have simply been destroyed. Our plants and animals are already under great strain in this country. Sadly, in recent years, we just do not have a great record in protecting our uh, flora and fauna. Animals that were already endangered or critically endangered or vulnerable have been pushed to the brink and may in fact end up as extinct as a consequence of the fires. Because you say when you when you kill a billion or half a billion, the numbers are necessarily estimates of creatures that has a terrible, terrible impact on their viability as species. But when you use language like viability of species, you can lose that visceral impact that just seeing the images of of charred animal bodies burned alive, of terribly badly injured animals by fire. Those images, along with those of families grieving for the 25 lives lost so far, along with images of children grieving for their homes lost or just fleeing as refugees in their own country, but those images are now seared onto Australian minds. And as you point out, it is obscene in this context that we have seen many, many years of systematic denial of the reality of global warming, of the climate emergency by the Murdoch-owned newspapers in Australia. And there are a number of states where the only significant paper is owned by News Limited and the influence of the Murdoch press is significant. It's not merely a systematic editorial pattern of playing down the climate emergency and its consequences. It's also the perpetual featuring of of opinion writers who advance the most sort of outlandish theories that run contrary to all the accepted and reputable science. So it really has been this systematic pattern of denial, of downplaying, and in the context of this country that has been on fire, it is just particularly abhorrent. Yeah. We're talking with David Ritter, the CEO of Greenpeace Australia, greenpeace.org.au. David, what is Greenpeace doing in Australia with regard to all this? What are you all doing? We are above all, I suppose, standing with those impacted communities. Like many others in Australia, we dug deep at the end of last year to support the many communities that have been impacted by the fires. But as a campaigning organisation with a vision of an earth capable of nurturing life in all of its magnificent diversity, we've seen it as our role to do two things. One has been to scaffold the stories of survivors So, for example, towards the end of last year, we enabled a couple whose house had been burned down in the fires to take the remains of their house to Canberra and display it outside the walls of our parliament in a a very dignified and moving protest that the images of which travelled around the world. Hmm. So it's that kind of scaffolding of survivors' stories. And then the other thing that we see is a crucial role in this, and remembering there are hundreds of thousands of Australians who are involved in the, the Greenpeace network, we see it as being crucial that we continue to draw that connection, that it is the conditions brought on by climate change that have been generative of the conditions that have made for these fires. So it's climate, it's the emissions from coal, from oil, from gas, driving the climate emergency and the climate emergency driving the catastrophic fires. And in an Australian context, 
coal is the problem here. Uh, roughly a third of our emissions, domestic emissions in Australia, come from burning coal in power the coal burning power stations and we are one of the two largest coal exporting nations in the world so Australia is making a really outsized contribution to the problem of the climate emergency because of our coal, oil and gas. Here in the United States, we have what used to be two brothers. Now, one of them has passed away, David Koch, and Charles, his brother, has left, whose daddy made his fortune in the fossil fuel industry, drilling for oil for Joe Stalin, and then came back to the United States and made more money with fossil fuels. And, and they built an empire. It's now diversified beyond fossil fuels. But Koch Industries, you know, basically a fossil fuel company, and they have been funding and leading much of the climate denial movement, at least over the last few decades. Is there an analog to that in Australia, somebody who is just obscenely, fabulously rich? I think the Koch brothers were the second or third richest family in the United States behind the Waltons and maybe Bill Gates. Is there an, an analog to that in Australia where you have uh, you know, a coal baron or an oil baron who, who has so much money that he or she is just completely distorting the politics of your country? There hasn't probably historically been one single analogue, and maybe I could give an answer in three parts. And the first part is that some of what has afflicted you in the US has, of course, travelled internationally because we know that there are these links of fossil fuel interests, of climate denial that are transnational. US climate denial is exported to Australia and Australia exported elsewhere and so on. So there are those transnational links. That's the, the first thing to say. And the second thing to say is that probably over time in Australia, it has more been a group of interests that have acted together to block progress. They used to, more than 10 years ago, they used to jokingly describe themselves as the greenhouse mafia because they were so proud of the way in which they had stalled progress on climate action in Australia, both in terms of lobbying done from within individual companies, but also some peak uh, industry bodies like the Minerals Council of Australia and the Business Council of Australia, which have just repeatedly and vigorously opposed decent climate action to the point where you end up with a Prime Minister or future Prime Minister carrying a lump of varnished coal into Parliament and saying there's nothing to be scared of. And then the third part I would give to your answer is that we did see just before the last national election in Australia one particular person, a miner called Clive Palmer, who is reported to have spent somewhere between 50 and 60 million Australian dollars in a matter of weeks just before our our federal uh, just before our national election. And the impact of that money was not to get um, Mr Palmer's party a single seat in either chamber of our national legislature, but he did boast afterwards, I think it's a, a direct boast from him, that the effect of it had been to keep the the Labor Party, which in Australia the closest analogue, I guess, we have to the, the US Democrats, out of office. Hmm. So there are certainly analogues to what you've experienced in the U.S. Remarkable stuff. David Ritter, the CEO of Greenpeace Australia Pacific, his latest book, The Cold Truth, the website greenpeace.org.au, as in Australia. You can tweet him at David underscore Ritter. David, thank you for dropping by. Thank you very much for having me on the program, Tom. By all means, and please keep up the great work. It's, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Greenpeace, have been for years and years. Sponsoring the interview this week is New Leaf Natural CBD Oil. Boy, with all this impeachment stuff and Trump treason flying around, you know, 
I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti, or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think is the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Naturals CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's newleafnaturals.com and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM. It's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NULeafNaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NewLeafNaturals.com. Code TOM. It's spelled T-H-O-M. NewLeafNaturals.com. In geeky science, the proof is in. Our genes are not our destiny. Yes, according to new research by University of Alberta scientists, your genes are not your destiny, and you have less than a 5% chance of getting a particular disease in most cases. The study did note that there are a few exceptions, like Crohn's disease or celiac disease and macular degeneration, which ups your chances by 40 to 50% if it runs in the family. But the majority of diseases, like cancer, diabetes, and Alzheimer's, are all in the 5% range. There's more risk from your metabolism, the environment, how you live, and your exposure to nutrients, chemicals, bacteria, or viruses. This research really highlights paying more attention to the safety or quality of our food, air, and water, much more than the attention we're paying to our genes. It's the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. The good, the Detroit Zoo, for being the first in America to turn animal waste into electricity. The giraffes, rhinos, and zebras are not only being enjoyed by zoo visitors, but they're generating poo power. The animal manure plus food waste are all dumped into a biodigester. The waste breaks down and releases a methane-rich gas, which is then used to generate electricity. The zoo is powering its animal hospital with this. This is a... Perfect thing to do. Good on you, Detroit Zoo. The bad. Trump, because he's planning to veto a bill meant to keep forever chemicals out of our groundwater. Forever chemicals, which are often referred to as PFAS, or perfluoral alkyl chemicals, are used in a bunch of industrial products, flame retardants, nonstick products, and packaging, and have leached into groundwater in almost every state in America. They are known carcinogens, and in fact, we're at the core of this movie, Dark Waters. Come on, Trump, you drink the water here, too. And the very, very ugly, it's Trump again, for excluding the impact on the environment for infrastructure planning. Reuters is reporting that the Trump administration recently unveiled new regulations that will limit projects that require environmental review and will no longer require federal agencies to consider the impact of the climate crisis on new infrastructure projects. As the New York Times also reported, this could pave the way for projects like the Keystone XL pipeline and other fossil fuel projects that have been held up by the courts because climate impacts had not been considered in an environmental review. Plus, projects can be easily approved and not have to disclose their intentions to discharge waste, increase air pollution, or clear-cut trees. That is very, very ugly. 
On the news beat, the Copernicus Climate Change Service is showing 2019 was the second warmest year on record and the hottest in history in Europe. And it's providing the first global picture of temperature levels and CO2 concentrations for 2019. Frisia Vomborg, senior scientist at the Copernicus Climate Change Service, reported to Climate Home News, quote, This is in line with what we can expect from a global warming trend. The main issue is the long-term trend. She added, this is slowly but surely creeping upwards, and as such, these kind of events like heat waves become much more likely. Billion-dollar disasters are on the rise. In 2019, America had 14 billion-dollar disasters. In addition to the floods, eight severe storms, two tropical cyclones, and one wildfire, all of them together, each topped a billion dollars. According to NOAA, billion-dollar disasters have been on a rapid rise over the past decade. Even after adjusting for inflation, the U.S. spent at least a billion dollars to repair the damage of 119 disasters in the 2010s, compared with just $59 billion disasters in the preceding decade. Our fingerprints are all over the weather. According to a groundbreaking analysis published Thursday in the journal Nature Climate Change, scientists can now see the fingerprint of human-caused climate change in global daily weather patterns. According to the study, the fingerprint of climate change is detected from any single day in the observed global record since early 2012 and since 1999 on the basis of a year's worth of data. This study was in part motivated by Trump's tweets about how a cold day disproves global warming and shows that super cold days bear the stamp of climate change just like the super hot days. Welcome to our flooded future. Sea level rise will be worse than we thought, according to a new peer-reviewed paper in the journal Nature Communications. Within three decades, chronic flooding will affect 300 million people. And by 2100, areas now home to 200 million people will be permanently below the high tide line. Speaking of flooding, NASA projects the Kennedy Space Center will experience 5 to 8 inches of sea level rise by 2050. But if the climate continues to warm the planet, causing polar ice to melt more quickly, then NASA's prediction goes to 17 to 24 inches just by the 2050s. A climate watchdog is warning that the U.S. fracking boom could cause a 30% rise in greenhouse gas emissions by 2025 in just five years. The U.S.-based Environmental Integrity Project has reported the global warming pollution from the U.S. oil, gas, and petrochemical industries could rise about 30% by 2025 compared with 2018 because of additional drilling and 157 new or expanded projects fueled by the fracking boom. They explain that the estimated emissions increase is equal to as much greenhouse gas pollution as 50 new coal-fired power plants. Scientists are helping out beer drinking and are working on making the perfect head of beer. Researchers may have solved the mystery related to the lifetime of beer foam. Lead researcher Dr. Richard Campbell from the University of Manchester fired beams of neutrons at the liquids used to make foams, revealing important information about their surface, which we can't see with our eyes. They may have discovered one potential application where beer drinkers can enjoy a pint where the head lasts all the way to the bottom of the glass. So say cheers to the scientists who are assisting our bartenders and you, the beer drinker. Let's hope the additive is safe. Our science fact of the week is that more than a fifth of our coral reefs are already lost or severely damaged. This decline continues with alarming speed. Another 35% 
could be lost in the next 10 to 40 years. Climate change is a big factor as coral reefs are sensitive to even small changes in temperature. But what many don't know is a huge threat is also overfishing and destructive fishing practices such as the use of explosives and cyanide in the vicinity of coral reefs. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.